Hello and welcome to my podcast. This is Lee Clark and this is a podcast called Beating BPD. Um, today in this episode I'm going to be talking about my journey with mental health, um, how I think BPD got um, brought up to begin with, <laughs> and where I'm going now. Um, I'm starting this podcast to help people and to bring awareness to BPD and other mental illnesses. Now, this podcast is going to include other mental illnesses because I do not solely have BPD, but the main focus will be BPD just because of the stigma built around it and the lack of education I'm seeing on it. I wanted to make a YouTube channel, but I'm just not committed enough. (laughs) It's a little bit too much of technical editing that I do not know how to do. So we're settling with a podcast. But I'm going to get started with my story. (laughs) Now, I was born in 2002. I am only 18 years old. (laughs) And... I was born into a family with a very clingy mother. You could say that she has BPD herself. The speculation will probably never be answered because she refuses to go to therapy, but not the point. (laughs) Let's just say she never put me down. Um, Actually, from her mouth, she told me that She held me (laughs) for 18 months after I was born. Literally never put me down. Um, My father was a little bit more emotionally distant, and he always has been. He has explosive anger, and there's a lot of stuff to unpack with him by himself. But we can kind of look at BPD as a mental illness and as a diagnosis and think, oh, emotionally clingy mother, that's a big red flag for BPD. Um, Now, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder very young in in my life. Um, I can't remember exactly what age I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, but I was diagnosed very young. I want to say it was in elementary school. Um, Throughout the story, you'll kind of gather that my memory is also very spotty. (laughs) Um, That's what trauma does to you, so... (laughs) Sorry if anything is a little bit vague, but yeah, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder very young. Now, at this point, I'm not sure if it was more, I mean, I definitely had an anxiety disorder, but there was definitely something else going on there. Um could have just been that my mother was very clingy and I was starting to go to school and I couldn't handle that but 
whether it was autism going on in the background. I haven't got tested for that yet, but that's a whole speculation on itself. So whether it was autism going on there, you know, I was assigned female at birth, so doctors aren't going to look at that as much, especially back then. I know it's coming to light a little bit more now. Um, so whether it was autism behind the scenes there as well, or if it was just, you know, that hypersensitive temperament that a lot of people with BPD have, um, that shows up in childhood. Now with that hypersensitive temperament, um, you can say that my needs were not always met in childhood. Um, I was in therapy for a lot of my life after I got diagnosed with anxiety. Um, that's honestly one of the one things that my parents did right with me is just thrown me into therapy. <laughs> now, I don't really know if therapy helped me really a lot back then. Um, I don't really remember much of it, but I can pretty much strongly say that therapy has never really helped me that much <laughs> until very recently. So whether it was anxiety or whatever the cause may have been for my acting out behavior around that time in my life. Now, when I say acting out, I mean I would sob all the time. And in elementary school, that's when it starts to get inappropriate. <laughs> you know, in kindergarten or in preschool, you know, that's kind of socially acceptable for kids to just cry all the time. <laughs> and when you get to elementary school, you know, that's not socially acceptable. Which is, again, where, like, questions of autism come in and, you know, the real diagnosis there, I don't really know what it was. If anxiety disorder was the correct diagnosis solely on its own. But again, not really the point. <laughs> so, with this um, hypersensitive temperament, I guess we could call it, is what I would refer to it as, <laughs> um, my needs were not always met. So, my parents were pretty hard on me, and I'm not going to get into the like details of what that meant for me, you know, I'm not going to trauma dump on everyone right now. But when you have a hypersensitive temperament, you know, you are rarely going to get your needs met anyway as a child. So if you don't have parents that are really paying attention to you anyway, that's only going to get worse. Now, I think with being diagnosed with something at such a young age, this really drilled into me that I was getting attention for it. And this only like kind of continued to get worse throughout my life. And again, I'm getting into the logistics of, you know, the spiral of forming BPD, I guess you could say. 
So it kind of, I'm looking at it as like a big snowball kind of piling up on top of each other, like rolling down a hill of things in the perfect mixture <laughs> just to roll itself into a big snowball <laughs> of BPD. So I was hypersensitive and I went to therapy and I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And during this time, I think was the first time I realized that, wow, being mentally ill gets me attention. You know, it gets me my needs met, which being hypersensitive um, and, you know, crying every day when I went to school and going to therapy for it and my mom saying, okay, this is becoming a problem, so I'm going to give you attention. Whether this was negative or positive attention, it didn't really matter because I was getting attention for it. So this is the first time I was ever like, wow, being mentally ill gets me attention. And not that that's a core symptom of BPD, but it's definitely a part of it. It's not one of the nine symptoms, which we can go over in the next episode. But again, not one of the nine symptoms, but it's a pattern with BPD. So... I was babied by my mother. Um, she kind of did everything for me in my life after that. She, like, even throughout high school, I want to say, she babied me. You know, I was the older child, so you would think it would be the opposite. <laughs> but she babied me compared to my sister. My sister was younger. And it really took a toll on my identity. And I think when I came out, because I am trans, and when I came out as trans in high school, it really took a toll on our relationship just because it was the first time I had ever made a decision. Not that, not that I'm saying being trans is a decision at all, but the decision to come out was the first time I had made a decision on my own, like an important decision on my own, aside from my mother. And that was scary, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so... When high school started, I um, got diagnosed with depression. I went into more extensive therapy work. Um, I almost went into outpatient at one point, but I didn't. I settled on like multiple therapy sessions a week. And still no one saw BPD at this point or anything other than, you know, the usual anxiety, depression, which is just complete bullshit, <laughs> in my opinion, because the fact that I'm being diagnosed with so many things now is, like, why didn't anyone see this? 
But anyway, I got diagnosed with depression then. And after I got diagnosed with depression is when I came out. Um, I want to say it was a year and a half later I came out as trans. And after I did, I felt really good for a while. And I say really good in like a really good mentally ill way. <laughs> like not in a really good oh, I was doing really good way, more in a really good I'm manic and I'm toxic kind of way. Now, I was separated a little bit more from my mother than I ever had been my entire life, but they were still very strict. My mother and my dad were very strict. Um, and I was in a relationship at the time, I believe. Um, just, I'm just actually gonna go through kind of my relationship with relationships <laughs> really quickly. Um, so I had gotten my first relationship in middle school and it was with this guy. And, you know, it wasn't anything serious. It was a middle school relationship, but it lasted a year. Um, and when I got out of that relationship, I don't really remember if I had anyone directly after, but I know as soon as I got into high school and I hit freshman year of that kind of depression, freshman year, um, that's kind of when I discovered, you know, kick and it just creepy guys online, honestly. So I was in a lot of relationships online around the time of my freshman year, sophomore year. And it, it really took a toll on me in a way that you could say it was everything a borderline could have asked for. You know, I was getting sexual validation and I could be toxic to these older men because I didn't care. They were older men. You know, when you're in that kind of situation, you you know that it's not right, but you don't know that it's not right, if that makes sense. But when I got out of that kind of phase of my life where I was being groomed, <laughs> it's not funny, but I laugh in pain. But anyway, when I got out of that phase of my life, I started dating people in my high school and I dated this one guy and we dated for like a month. And when we, we dated for this month and he was actually my first kiss, you know, the guy in middle school I had never even kissed <laughs> and we were together for a year. That just shows you like the kind of middle school relationship it was. But I dated this guy for a month in high school. I want to say it was, was like the end of my sophomore year. And I dated him and I remember when he left me and just the way I felt. Um, it was like I, he died. Like, I had never felt that kind of abandonment with 
any of my other relationships really because it was a middle school relationship, my first one. <laughs> and, you know, the um, online relationships were not really relationships. <laughs> they were more just creepy guys being sexual <laughs> over relationships. So when this when I dated this guy, you know, we only dated for a month. We were not together for long. But I felt like I had lost a part of myself. And I remember just being in pain for a solid week, like just straight pain that I couldn't get over. And I was like, why? Why did this happen to me? Why did he leave me? And this is probably the first, you know, time I was abandoned in my life. Um, at least, like, besides anyone <laughs> that, like, wasn't my family. Whether or not I really had abandonment issues in my childhood is debatable. You know, like I said, my dad was emotionally unavailable, but my mom never really abandoned me, per se. You know, abandonment issues are complicated. Abandonment issues can come in the form of when you emotionally need someone and they're not there, that's still abandonment. You know, when you're a kid. Um, so I think when my mom was kind of like, she was very push-pull, you know, I could never truly rely on her. So if maybe my abandonment issues stem a little bit from that, but honestly, um, it's just the clinginess and codependency that really fuels my abandonment issues because I dated this guy for a month and I literally felt like I lost I lost a part of myself that's how entangled my identity gets with people so after that relationship um I went back to creepy guys online <laughs> and then soon after that I got into another relationship now, take notice of this. I never was really alone. Now, I had brief periods of being alone. And when I say brief periods, I mean like a few weeks, maybe. And even then, I was still talking to people online. Um, and I got into a relationship with another guy online but he was actually my age <laughs> so it was like an, uh, it was a real relationship and I was really sick at the time mentally I was in a really bad place and I it was in that bad place where I mentioned earlier where I was happy but the mentally ill kind of happy so I was very sick in a way that it wasn't, I don't, I don't know how to put it. <laughs> it, it was, I was very sick, but it didn't seem 
to me like I was as sick as I was at the time. Looking back on it now, I could see how sick I was, but I guess I just wasn't self-aware. So I dated this guy, and it's when a lot of my BPD traits really started coming out when I dated this guy. So, you know, the classic suicidal, um, blow up your phone kind of behavior really occurred in this relationship, and he was, he had a bit of a savior complex, which I feel like most people who, um, get really attached to people with BPD do, um, I would, I don't know if I would call him a narcissist, you know, I don't know enough about him to really label him like that, but it's the same mentality of someone who would kind of prey on people with BPD, um, because he never left, but we dated for a year, and we kind of just fueled each other, um, I couldn't take any form of rejection from him and he couldn't communicate with me when I tried to and it was just really bad um and at this time I started struggling with eating habits and I don't want to say it was because of him but it was it was because of something he said to me that I think in my BPD mind I just blew really out of proportion and, you know, I, sta- I started, you know, not eating and dieting just to excessive amounts. And I got out of that relationship because I couldn't stand him, you know, not communicating to me. I, he was my guess is he was probably trying to set boundaries with me without saying he was setting boundaries with me. And he was just too distant for my BPD to handle, so I left him. And then someone else came in. (laughs) And this is a girl. And she also had BPD. And now, I did not know this at the time, that she had BPD when I was dating her. I actually found it out later on from something that she posted online about BPD, about having BPD. And she really messed me up. (laughs) Now, we only dated for about two months, but she really messed me up in that period of time. Um, She lied about a lot of things for attention and um she was very hypersexual which really traumatized me because of the ways that she went about sexual things so I'm not going to go in depth with that but she just had a lot of issues and that relationship really messed with me and it didn't mess with me in just an abandonment issue kind of way. It, it messed with me in like a, this relationship is going to affect me for a long time kind of way. Um, just what happened to me in that, it, it was just awful. And I 
almost didn't have time to be I mean we fought all the time but we I didn't have time to be um the attention seeking one or um you know the BPD one in the relationship because she was just so I was trying to fix it all the time so that she wouldn't leave and I'm not trying to say that like my BPD was randomly cured during that relationship it was just um dimmed down a little bit or just kind of appeared in different ways that you know you wouldn't really look at and be like oh my god that's awful but it hurt me a lot more than it hurt her so she ended up cheating on me and that was kind of where the relationship ended um she kind of ghost she didn't ghost me one night but it was kind of like she wouldn't talk to me and I kind of figured out that she was cheating on me later on after I broke up with her and it was just a fishy situation after that I started talking to you know different people going out um with people and I went out with this girl and it didn't really work out you know I just went on dates basically and this was into my senior year of high school and this is leading into last year so um 2020 i didn't really solidly like get into a relationship with anyone until i got into another long distance relationship online um with a guy with disassociative identity disorder and he it was it was really it was a really interesting relationship um just because i he, he him as a host <laughs> if you know anything about disassociative identity disorder him as a host he was a an okay boyfriend um he also had drug problems in the mix, so, you know, I'm not going to get into depth with that. But during this relationship is when I really figured out that there's something more going on with me than anxiety and depression. Um, and I don't know if this really came through more with me researching DID to help him, and I kind of stumbled upon, you know, BPD and... I actually thought that I had bipolar disorder for a little while because I had these mood swings and I was like, mood swings, you know, bipolar disorder. And I got myself hospitalized at some point. I believe it was in May of 2020. And I went to the hospital kind of for a diagnosis. You know, I... I want to say it was in a manic episode when I went, and I I am someone who uses manic episode <laughs> even when talking about borderline mood swings, you know, just the euphoric, I, I consider them manic episodes, um, even though they're short. <laughs> so it's the same symptoms of manic episodes, so I just call them manic episodes. I know that's a whole thing, so... Um, but yeah, I think I was kind of in one of those manic episode moments, 
when I went to the mental hospital to get diagnosed. And they did diagnose me with bipolar disorder. And even then, I was like, I don't know if it's bipolar. Like, I think it might be borderline personality disorder. And as I was in the mental hospital, I talked to more people about borderline because people were getting diagnosed with borderline there. And which is crazy because I was in an adolescent unit and I was 17 at the time. So you're not really supposed to diagnose people with BPD when they're younger. So I wasn't diagnosed with BPD um, in the hospital. And they had me on mood stabilizers, um, antipsychotics. I, I believe it was Abilify. It was Abilify. And I hallucinated on them. Um, I had a brief, I had brief psychotic episodes with my BPD before I, um, you know, went on medication, but medication made it so much worse. <laughs> so I got off the meds and I went to a different therapist than what I was, who I was seeing before because the lady I was seeing before just wasn't doing it for me. Now, mixed in with all of this, I had moments of thinking that I had disassociative identity disorder. Also, you know, just between having BPD and dating someone with DID, um, when you... There's a lot of... I don't want to say there's a lot of overlap, but there's a lot of confusion that can happen with not knowing who you are and disassociating and dating someone with DID because, you know, when you have BPD, you kind of mirror people and you kind of mesh into people. So I had a moment of thinking that I had DID, which looking back on it now is just kind of crazy to look at that I was just so mentally, you know, confused and in distress that I was like, yeah, I have DID. <laughs> So I went to a new therapist and she's the person I'm seeing now and I finally got diagnosed with BPD. <laughs> um, I got, um, she kind of like diagnosed me with BPD traits first and now she kind of confirmed that I do have BPD and I've been researching it for a while now and just working on myself and working on getting better. And I actually have a whole new boyfriend now. <laughs> um, my ex with DID that I was talking about, um, he actually relapsed on drugs. Um, and that's kind of when I just kind of said I was done with him. Um, and them as a system just because I could not mentally handle it and the host was gone a lot so it wasn't really a relationship <laughs> um, so you know I'm now working on myself I'm working on learning about PPD um, I'm working in my relationship now to get better 
and recognizing my toxicity <laughs> in ways that I never imagined that I was toxic, I'm becoming self-aware. <laughs> so, you know, I work with my therapist now. Um, I moved out of my parents' house because there was a lot of tension there for a while. Um, I was hospitalized again last year in August. Last year was 2020. <laughs> uh, so I was hospitalized again before I moved out. And I moved in with my boyfriend. And it's definitely still a struggle, you know. Um, every day has a new challenge. And um, work is hard. Working is hard with BPD. Um, I actually just quit <laughs> my job. So trying to find a stable job that I can chill out a little bit. Um, trying to set boundaries with people and communicate with people and work on direct communication. And, you know, just work on myself and work on building my sense of identity um, because having BPD is fucking shitty. Like, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anyone. It's shitty. It's so hard. <laughs> and I just wanted someone to, like, recognize that for the longest time and I feel like I don't see it enough online you know I see people talking about depression and every other mental disorder in the book and about how hard it is and about you know all the challenges with it and bringing awareness to it and I just don't see it with BPD you know, I, people just paint us out as a villain. And, you know, I don't, there's no bigger person that we're a villain to than ourselves. So how is it fair that we're dealing with this and we're the villain? It's not, it's not right. So, um, I'm just doing this podcast to, you know, talk about it and create a conversation. And along with BPD, I also got, um, diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I'm looking into autism testing now just because there's a lot of overlap with ADHD and autism and BPD, just all of them together, you know, it's just being neurodivergent in general. It's just really, <laughs> it's really confusing just where everything comes from diagnosis-wise. Um, so it's kind of hard to put a finger on what causes symptoms. And something I've really learned in my recovery is to try my best to try not to point fingers to a diagnosis. And I know that's really hard, but 
to focus more on the symptom that's bothering you rather than what finger you can point to a diagnosis. And I think this is really hard as someone with BPD because we try so hard to get our feelings validated and I kind of try to collect mental illnesses like Pokemon cards <laughs> and I try to like make them stack up so that people will be like oh my god like you're going through so much like I can't believe like you've been through all this because I have been I have been through a lot you know having BPD on its own puts you through so much shit and people don't realize it so we feel like we have to you know have a billion different diagnoses <laughs> or have a whole list of stories of trauma to validate how we feel because we just feel like shit <laughs> so much and our emotions are so intense and I think this is worth mentioning too just for the sake of getting to know me is that if you know anything about the subtypes of BPD um, I consider myself um, more of a quiet BPD as well. Um, I'm gonna go through, you know, all the symptoms of BPD in another episode. It'll probably be the episode after this. And just apply that to how it affects people, how it affects me personally, and talk a little bit about how to get over it, and maybe break it down a little bit more in future episodes. And if there's anyone actually listening to this, um, you can DM me on Instagram at Lee is underscore me. And if you have any comments, questions, or, you know, topics that you want to hear about for the podcast, you can tell me there. But until then, I will see you next time. And I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to me rant. <laughs> I'll see you guys.